Get ready to challenge conventional beliefs about what's possible in creating health, wealth, and happiness. You are listening to Playing on the Edge Radio with Megan Edge. This hit show is providing you with ways of sustaining radical and powerful changes in your life. It is time to open and expand your awareness, accelerate your well-being as Megan shares wisdom, teachings, and experience from a lifelong journey of the heart. Enact the power of radical change with ease and lift your desires to a new perspective. Now, here's Playing on the Edge Radio. Well, everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome. Hi, I'm Dr. Pat, and I am here with Megan Edge. I get to do this show with Megan, and uh, not just not just playing on the Edge Radio, but what I what I really love doing is I get to have these amazing conversations with Megan about what does it mean to have radical change with these, and then sometimes what you really face is yourself. And what I mean by that is, you know, today's show is called On the Edge of Lies, L-I-E-S, meaning untruth. And so when we think about what that means and the significance of it, you know, I'm reminded by a couple of things. One is I'm reminded by what the difference is between a lie and a lie. And in the end, when we start to talk about that, what gets revealed to us, this is the body of work that Megan does. She works with, uh, she works with women. And, and part of that is to help understand what is it that is getting in the way of us truly living the life we want to live. And, you know, as we've been doing this series, Megan, we've been talking about a number of things. I was thinking about this the other day, right? So welcome, welcome to the show, right? I was thinking about this. When I went and looked back, at the last five shows we did, and I started to look at the topics. You know what I was struck by? I was struck by the tapestry that's, that is being weaved here. You know, and it's really fascinating. When you and I think about an individual show, it seems like an individual show. But right. when we take a look at this body of work that you've done, it really becomes this beautiful, tap, beautiful tapestry for radical change with these, doesn't it? it? It really does. And and thank you for that beautiful introduction and also how you were able to see that pattern of the way in which we are having these conversations in order to help people think about things in their lives they might not otherwise think about. And this topic, especially when we're talking about what is the truth, what is not the truth, deception, lies, this is not a topic that a lot of people are talking about. You know, I was doing quite a bit of research in preparation for this show, and I wasn't finding an awful lot of studies around this, this form of communication, which is really what it is when we're looking at how is it that we talk to other people? What do we share about ourselves with them? And how do we tell our stories? And quite often, we are not being truthful we may not even know how to be completely in our truth, which is part of what we're going to be talking about today. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and, you know, what I love about the, the episode today and what you're calling it is, you know, on the edge of lies, on the edge of lies. And that has so much meaning, right? I mean, mm. the depth and the breadth of what we're about to, to talk about 
really gets to the issue of consequences. Consequences. Um, whether you're watching sort of the really super hit like uh, uh, series that, that won all sorts of awards last year, uh, Big Little Lies, right? You're watching that or you're thinking to yourself, what are some of the things I tell myself that really they are on the edge? Why was this important to you? Let's just have a conversation about that if we could. Absolutely. When I work with my clients, what we're trying to do is to get at the heart of the stories that they're telling themselves about their lives, about what they believe in, about what their experiences have been, really about how they're showing up in the world. And I have learned over the many years that I've been doing this work that most of us are walking around in an illusion of who we are and how we're living our lives. And either we've bought into lies that other people have told us about ourselves and our self-worth and our reason for being in the world, or we've made up stories for ourselves that are getting in the way of actually accessing our authentic self and really knowing who we are. And it's not to say that the lies are necessarily bad, right? I'd like to come to this subject from a place of non-judgment to really be able to tease out the reasons why we tell ourselves the things we tell ourselves. And what does it feel like when we start to unravel those, those stories into something that is actually true and real for us. And a lot of that has to do with accessing our emotions, how we truly feel in our bodies uh, as we are telling our stories in order to learn to trust our body's wisdom. Because quite frankly, in my experience, the body never lies. Right. Your body cannot lie to you. It does not know how. It doesn't function in lies. So when you start to learn how your body feels, as you go through certain emotional states and you learn a language that allows you to express that, it becomes almost impossible to lie. Yeah. Because it doesn't feel good in your body. And, and you know, Megan, we talked about this if we just go back for a couple of shows, right? And this is why the, I was so struck by this today is if we go back, we were talking about wellness and health. Mm -hmm. And right then when we were talking about it, we talked about this idea of not telling the truth from different levels. So for example, something's not working in your body. It doesn't feel like it's working in your body. And you know, you either tell yourself, wow, I should do something about it. Or you completely say, uh, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's right. fine. And, and so we start to do this. Let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Where does this all begin? Where does it begin? Where is it? Is there like an age? Is there like a beginning where maybe we can point to the first untruth that either we've participated in or that somebody applied to us? Yeah, looking at the psychology of it, some of the studies that I was able to find go back as early as a year and a half to two years old is when children start to learn how to not fully express themselves in their truth or in other words, to lie. And they're not doing it to be manipulative necessarily. And they're not doing it to be bad children. They're doing it because they've learned from the people around them that this is how we operate with one another, that we don't speak in full truth to each other, right? How are you doing? I'm fine, but maybe you're not fine, right? So children learn at a very early age that 
falsehood is a form of communication. And in some cases, it's the safest way to be, depending on what's happening in that family dynamic. And then apparently, the more that a child is able to stay within a falsehood, in other words, have memory of what they've said that isn't true, and spin that out, the more intelligent they're going to be as adults. And I thought that was really interesting. So in fact, telling a good lie is a sign of intelligence in that it is it relates to the memory and how a person is able to remember the things that they've said and tie it all together to tell a really good story. Those people who are not good at lying, apparently not as intelligent. Now, this is just one study, so don't quote me on it yeah, necessarily. Yeah, yeah. But I did find it really interesting. I was curious to find out if, if telling lies well is a mark of intelligence. And according to some of the psychology studies, it is. And it starts at a very early age. Yeah, it's fascinating. I watched a movie the other day with a friend of mine, and I think the movie is called Green Book. It won all sorts of awards, right? Oscar, the whole business. And the story of it really is a true story. Mm -hmm. One of the characters in it is a, a, a gentleman, a guy from the Bronx, right? Um, and so uh, all of the stereotypes that I grew up with in my family and my culture and my heritage, right? All of that all came to the forefront. But there's a dialogue between he and the main character. And the dialogue has to do with BSing. I won't curse with BSing. And so the character, like that's part of like, you know, my family, Italian heritage, made a very beautiful case for how he was a good BSer mm -hmm. and the qualities of that. The other gentleman says, oh, a liar. And the other guy says, no, 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 that's not lying. That's BSing. That's being able to carve a story to influence another. But boy, look at the fine line around this. Right. And that's why we're on the edge of lies. <laughs> <laughs> because what is actually a lie? What is a story? What is an exaggeration? What is gossip? You know, what's being said to manipulate and be malicious and what's simply being said to spin a good yarn. And, and as we're talking about this, I'm thinking we have this story here. I'm, I'm at my cottage on Main Island over on the west coast of Canada right now. Nice. We're here for the summer. Yeah, it is. It's beautiful. I know. And we have a story that we tell new people who come up to the cottage about a particular creature that exists here on Main Island called a spider bat. And spider bats only live on Main Island. It's a very tiny niche that they live in. And they come out at night and they're, they're a type of bat, but they have these long strands that come off of their fingers on their wings that look like spider webs. Wow. And you can feel it when they fly by and they use that to catch the insects. Do you believe me? <laughs> I do believe you actually. Right? Because I can tell it really well. People trust me because I know a lot about the nature of this area and I can speak to it. And so when I talk about the spider bats, there's, a, there's an authority that people give to me to say, oh, well, yes, of course, that sounds perfectly reasonable. Why wouldn't there be something like spider bats? And why would she not be telling us the truth about it? Right. For, right. for decades, we thought this was the most hysterical thing that we could do to somebody who was new to the island. And then recently, especially when we started, you and I started talking about this topic, I thought, hmm, okay, it's fun for us, 
but it's not so fun for the other person when they realize that the wool's been pulled over their eyes. Yeah. And actually they're a butt of a joke. And some people are really good about it and they're like, haha, we love that. That's hysterical. And then there's other people who are going, yeah, that didn't feel good. So what is the difference between a lie and a story, right? Because the spider bats are a story that we tell that's fun, but it isn't everyone's experience of it. So now when I talk about spider bats, I usually preface it by saying, this is a, this is a, what do I, how did I say it now? Not this is a joke, but this is a legend. This is a okay. legend we have on the island, right? Okay. But I'll tell you, it's so believable that even after you say, I mean, I don't know that if you'd have said to me, well, this is a legend that in my psyche, there wouldn't have been a part of me that believed it, right? Because that's part of the other conversation, right, that we're going to have today mm -hmm. right, about, you know, what is it that really shows up, you know, yeah. in our lives? What is it? What is it that's true? What can we believe in? And, you know, this idea of, of truth telling, um, and you're right about this. There are cultures and I come from a culture and, and I'm not going to generalize this about, you know, the folks that, you, you know, are from Italy. So don't even email me on this, but you probably know <laughs> what I'm about to say. You know, I come from a group where the, the men in the family took pride in that very clip from that movie, mm -hmm. that very clip from that movie. The, it was an art. It was an art. And we grew up with this, all of us. Where did it stop being an art? And so let's talk about this. Mm -hmm. Where it stops being an art is when there's a line that sort of gets crossed. See, there's something that happens where my grandma sitting around a table says, ah, stupid all, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, my, your grandfather's stupid. Mm -hmm. um, that and you shouldn't have really told the six-year-old that they had horseback riding at boarding school and they didn't, mm -hmm. right? So let's talk about those differences. And why don't we go ahead and skip the break if we could for the moment? Because I want to make sure we cover this, right? Yeah. But bad, harmful, good, bad, big, little, this area people call gray. Mm -hmm. But it isn't gray if you're on the receiving end of a big fat little lie. Right. And, and one of the things that I, when I work with people around the damage that they have experienced emotionally mm. through the lies that they have been told by various people in their lives, is to look at this understanding of trust, you know, and who do we put our trust in? Who do we trust and why do we trust them? And the thing about that is that trust has absolutely nothing to do with the other person. It has to do with you and your own experiences and the filters through which you are experiencing your life. So people trust me when I talk about spider bats because I'm trustworthy in their experience of me, unless they haven't had a trustworthy experience of me. In that case, they're probably going to look at me and say, you're full of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then... And then where is the damage, right? And, and what you're talking about, sort of the horseback riding at boarding school, sometimes we say things with the full intention that we are going to fulfill those promises or those vows that we've made. And then for whatever reason, we are unable to. And then we get into that area around betrayal or setting up expectations that then don't get met. And what is the result of that for the person on the receiving end? You know, mm -hmm. say I'm going to be there at noon 
and you don't get there until one and that happens once that's one thing but if you say excuse me if you say i'll be there at noon and every single time you're lot you're late you're setting up a different kind of experience for the person who's waiting for you mm-hmm. and damage gets done because now you're not trustworthy mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so it, th- this is kind of the deal right so we know and we've seen this where Let's. I'm. I'm going to use an example of a, a, an a over-the-counter product for headaches. Mm. Once upon a time, this over-the-counter product for headaches had a bad batch, for lack of a better word, and the bad batch caused death, I believe, mm. to a child. And that company had a pivotal moment, a truth-telling moment, where. You know, it's so funny we're talking about this because we just had something happen over here with one of our, our, our candidates for president or along these lines. Um, and the company had to decide, are we going to come and tell people the truth yeah. and apologize? Or are we going to try to conjure up some story? And this company came out and said, we blew it. Mm-hmm. We're sorry. We're taking all of those products back. And I want to ask you, does that, does that make up for the lie or the, how should I say it, not telling the full truth? Uh, does that kind of make up for it? Can we make up for things that have been said to us, done to us, told to us that weren't true? Well, that's the healing journey. And yes, I think we can. I think it's different for each person in each circumstance and situation. And and when we look at the degrees of falsehood or the degrees of dishonesty or deception, how far it goes and how high up it goes makes a difference in how one is able to heal from that experience. So Mm -hmm. if your spouse lies to you about something, say money that they've spent that they didn't tell you about or a person they met that they didn't tell you about, that's going to have a different kind of an impact on you, on your whole energy system than the politician who lies because you're expecting the politician to lie. I mean, let's be honest. (laughs) Is there anybody out there in the world who doesn't expect a politician to not be completely true? It's the the game, right? (laughs) So when our prime minister in Canada says yes to the pipeline that he promised he was not going to allow to happen, I just shake my head and go, yeah, well, what else can you expect? But when my partner lies to me about money he spent, that has a different impact, right? It's a different level. And so I can, I can be upset and angry at my, at my politician for lying to me and not fulfilling his promises, but that's not going to keep me up at night. Mm. What is going to keep me up at night is the person who's closest to me, who tells me something that isn't true. And how am I going to heal from that? How am I going to repair that trust that I no longer have in that person who's closest to me, whether it's a friend, a child, a spouse, whomever, that's gonna take longer, I think, at least in my experience. That's gonna yeah. take longer because it has a more personal impact. Yeah. And, yeah, go ahead. Can you talk about this for a little bit? Because we're, we're putting out a couple of little isolated instances, right? But I think underneath what you're saying is, look, once in a while, somebody will slip out and not tell the truth. And that's probably the last time you're ever going to hear that come from him or her, right? Mm-hmm. But then there are others that 
politicians maybe, but there are other people that are not politicians mm -hmm. that find a benefit to lying. And yeah. it may start small, but then there's a pattern that grows, you know, and then the question then becomes, right? Who are these people? And I think you, you know, this is part of this, you were going to talk about the imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. because if we can't figure out who a person is that perhaps is close in our life, right? Mm -hmm. The level of mistrust is hard to even comprehend. It is. And, and as you're saying that, what comes to my mind, though, is that ultimately, and at the end of the day, it's on you how you're going to trust somebody else. You know, we talk, we can talk about the narcissists and we can talk about the psychopaths and we can talk about the manipulators, people who, who specifically lie in order to get their way or to manipulate somebody else. But I do really firmly believe, although it's not an easy belief to have, I believe that ultimately the only way that person is going to be successful with me is if I allow it. If I don't listen to my instinct, I don't listen to my gut, I don't trust my own knowing, and I allow myself to believe what they're saying because it's convenient for me, because it's safe for me, because whatever the reasons are that I would choose to believe someone, even when I know that they're not telling the truth or I have my suspicions, that's on me. That's not yeah. on the other person. And when we talk about how do you heal from this kind of a betrayal, you heal from the inside out by looking at what was the benefit to you in allowing yourself to participate in the deception. Because a lie only exists if other people agree to it, whether they're agreeing consciously or unconsciously. And I know this is a really radical concept, but that's why we're talking about it being on the edge of lies. Like what I ultimately want for anyone who comes to do this work with me is that they learn responsibility for themselves. That's what I had to learn. When I went through this in my previous marriage, I had to learn what was the convenience to me in allowing the deception or the lies to continue or the untruths or the unspoken, right? That's a really big one. The things we don't say can be as damaging as the things that we do say. What was the benefit to me in allowing that to continue. And I had to get really honest with myself that there was a benefit. I yeah. couldn't necessarily see it in the moment, but coming out of that, I began to really understand and, and realize why I had to believe it or allowed myself to believe it. And then equally, I had to look honestly at the places where I was not being honest and the reasons why I wasn't being honest. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I think we would, uh, I think if I don't mention this, I'll really feel sorry that I didn't. Um, one of the greatest lies, believe it or not, I am calling it a lie. I know. Yep. Go ahead. Email me now. Um, <laughs> but I ran into this when I was a kid because I come from a multicultural, multi, uh, multi-ethnic community growing up in the Bronx, right? And so one of my best friends was of the Jewish faith. And I remember at a very young age being told that the entire Santa Claus thing was like not the truth. Like there was no Santa. Mm. Now, 
that is, if you want to bust a child's bubble, right, before they're ready to bust their own bubble on the Santa thing, that is devastating. But here we are, right? And we think, don't worry about it. We grow up with the Santa thing. And then we find out it's not Santa. But because we keep getting presents at that holiday, it's going to be okay that we thought it was Santa, but it's actually our parents. I don't even know how to reconcile that one. Yeah, that's it's a cultural agreement <laughs> that we have at the adult level to participate in a story that is on the surface innocent and fun even and and brings magic and mystery to this holiday event that we then have to reconcile within ourselves as we start to grow up and begin to question the world around us. And it's not just that story that we start to question as we move into our teenage years, we start to question everything. We start to question our parents, our authority, our teachers, our ministers, our priests, our rabbis. We start to question the validity and the truth of what we're being told. And that has to be, I think, one of the most painful things that we go through as we grow up. And we have we have a choice of how we're going to respond to that. We can respond to it by feeling betrayed. Like they told me this with this, this story about Santa and the red suit and it's not <laughs> and they lied to me. We could also choose to say, well, that was actually kind of fun. I liked, I liked that part of it. And I will continue to participate in that cultural story when I have my own children, because what's the harm? I know for myself with that story, I just, grew out of it into an understanding that there is magic for me that happens around that time of the year. And it's about the spirit of giving and it's about the spirit of what is symbolized by the story of Santa Claus. For my former husband, he was devastated because one of the bullies on the street told him it wasn't true. And he had to live with that. And he, as an adult, is still traumatized by that. We chose different ways of being in the realization of what was story and what is not story Mm -hmm. at that point but I think it goes really deep right it goes into all the things that we tell ourselves or tell our children or share with each other that are I don't know like are these the stories we told each other in the darkest nights of winter in order to make it through as a as a community did it bring us closer together to have these stories told And then at what point do we learn that we can manipulate these stories? And then by doing that, we can manipulate people and outcomes. And then that's where it becomes damaging. Yeah. And then look, this is what we're going to talk about when we come back. You know, in the end, the question really is, in today's world, here's a question for everybody listening. Do you think it matters? Do you think it matters? Do you think that we have been normalized to untruth? Do you think maybe even serves us at some level? When we come back, we're going to talk about what what happens with this. What are some real challenges that we face individually, family, society? What is it that happens to us when we create a pattern And when we come back, we're not only going to talk about it, but we're going to talk about the effect of it. And, you know, many people have come before both Megan and I and have talked about what is the impact of 
not being forthcoming. See, lying agreements, contracts, psychology, these are all part of the same bubble. When we come back, we're going to talk about how that is and what happens when you have either a slow leak in that bubble or more drastically, a complete bursting. Stay mm-hmm. tuned. We'll be right back. People often ask, what does it mean to thrive? On Thrive by Gen Radio, it means body confidence, mind fulfillment, and soul synchronicity. Create synchronicity with God and learn as Jen shares action steps and real stories that will inspire you to be unstoppable in fulfilling your purpose. Tune in live each Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com and visit JenniferZellup.com to thrive with Jen. Are you ready to branch out? Take a leap of faith. Then tune in to Get Rooted Radio with Erica Gifford-Mills on TransformationTalkRadio.com every second and fourth Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific to equip, empower, and enlighten yourself. Erica will energize and excite you to power up your passionate dream that sets your soul on fire. So get fearlessly ready and get powerfully rooted in your yes to live it up, love it up, and let it go to ignite the life you deserve. Visit GetRootedRadio.com and tune in. Learn to live in the light and unveil the authentic you with a time of healing radio with me, Felistiana, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Tune in every third Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific as I help listeners understand sacred fusion energy and how to connect to the spirit that fuels the very life we live. Explore the journey of spiritual transcendence and ultimately discover the path to peace, love, purpose, and wholeness. For more information, visit atimeofhealing.com. Sometimes being human has its challenges. Our physical health falters, our spirits sag, our dreams don't immediately come to fruition. Welcome to the power of Maximum Medicine Radio. Join me, Doc Martin, in conversations that will blow your mind about healing. In our hit show, Doc Martin addresses the scientific with bridging to the mystical approaches to give you a new narrative about Maximum Medicine. In this live call-in show, we will journey into the extraordinary genius of the human body and talk about other beliefs that impact being your multidimensional self. We seek the seen and the unseen and explore the earthbound and the otherworldly, all with the purpose of calling forth the maximum you. To learn more about Doc Martin and Maximum Medicine, visit www.SharonMartinMD.com. It's time to get your life back on Burn Bright Today with Jennifer Marcinelli. Tune in each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to move from the darkness of burning out to the light of burning bright. Jennifer is redefining stress and the energetic causes of burnout, shining a light on process to get your life back. For more information about Jennifer and her work, visit BurnBrightToday.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Yeah. Yeah. This is Playing on the Edge Radio with Megan Edge and me, Dr. Pat. This is about radical change with these today. We're talking about on the edge of lies. But before we before we get back into this, right, um, I know, Megan, this is an important topic to you. But more importantly, you know, there's a body of work that you do 
you know, to help people understand the power of truth and alignment. Mm -hmm. And so you teach classes, you work one-on-one, you do so many things, you're out speaking about it. I think it would be important to let folks know, one, how can they get involved in what you're doing? And more importantly, what's available to them so they can truly change their lives? Thank you. Well, certainly they can find me at my website, which is meganedge.ca. And then I'm all over the place. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter, I think. (laughs) Um, Lots of different ways that people can find me. And then there's a a whole body of work that I do, as you say, different kinds of courses. I do certification programs for, for women to become healers and then men and women to learn the intuitive energy massage that I've created as a form of healing, as a healing tool. And coming this fall, I'm going to be offering a whole bunch of online courses that are personal growth courses to help people do their own work at that personal level, but within a group context and having live coaching from me as we move through different topics like trusting yourself and intuition, um, healing and grieving. There's going to be a whole lineup that I'm really looking forward to uh, having available to people when, when we get into the fall. It's part of what I'm working on this summer is putting that all together. Yeah. Uh, let me say something about that because here's what I want to say to everybody out there. Megan and I are on the same page in the body of work we do. You know, we went through a trend where people are like, I'm, I, as a matter of fact, I just talked to someone and I tried to say to her, please don't develop this online course. And what I tried to say is, People are hungry for connection. So what you're talking about doing is one of the most effective ways to not just teach people about something, but to have people learn something that they're going to carry with them. You know, this idea, and I think for some things, to take an online computer class, it's great. To take an online course of how to literally transform your soul, really challenging. And so I'm so glad to hear the, the way you're doing this, because part of this is to be able to do a sanity check in front of other people, just like we're talking about today. Yeah, it's about accountability and about creating a safe environment in which to explore the illusions and stories we've been telling ourselves all of these years and finding out what our truth is. And one of the programs I'm currently running is called the Eight Power Steps to Becoming a Master Manifester. And it's a system that I've created that allows us to do that deep dive into what are the stories that we have around money, around finances, around abundance, and then ultimately around deserving and self-worth. Yeah. So part of the program is in doing the personal work. I take people through the exercises I've created, through the system I've created, to help them really start to question the beliefs that they have that are holding them back and really start to get to the truth of what they 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 believe about themselves and then what of that truth is serving them and what is no longer serving them and how can we change their truth so that ultimately they can be in their authentic self they can see through the illusions and understand what is important to them and what their truth is and then ultimately by the end of the eight-week program they've also got a whole bunch of tools for how to really become clear on what it is that they want in life and how to go and get it once they know what that clarity is. And that's a lot of what we're talking about today is looking at what is it that is the truth? What is it that is our truth? And how do we heal the places in our lives where we have experienced wounding because of untruths Mm -hmm. or other people's lies? (laughs) Yeah. 
And, and, you know, look, this is part of really getting a level of awareness of the consequences of our own behavior and action. And one of the things that you're going to talk about now is something that I think a lot of us learned early on, maybe in some strange way, but we learned it. And that's the idea of crying wolf, right? You know, the idea of, of what the impact of that is. Because when we say that, people are like, I don't even know what that means. What does that even mean? But there is a consequence, right? Mm-hmm. Especially when we're involved in the interaction with another person uh, and we're in some level of relationship with them. It doesn't matter what the relationship is, but there are opportunities and there are consequences. So let's talk a little bit about who are the people that excel at lying? That's a great question. <laughs> Besides the politicians. And, and I would say, and we might get emails for this too, I would say also a lot of religious leaders hiding behind their, the stories in their religion to cover behavior that is not true. It's not true behavior, or it's not truly what is happening. Um, for themselves and for others. And, and it's people who are in positions of power who use dishonesty and deception as a way to control others have a lot to answer for, present time and throughout history. And the whole crying wolf, I mean, the other side of crying wolf is the emperor's new clothes. And these are both stories that talk about what it, what it is to lie who it is we're lying to and why it is that we're lying. So crying wolf comes from that story, Peter and the wolf. And that's where Peter cries wolf, all the villagers come out and he laughs at them because there's no wolf. He just wanted all the villagers to come out to where he is with his sheep until eventually the day comes where the wolf does show up and he cries out to the villagers and they don't come because they don't believe him. Right. I remember I had a client in front of me, this was years ago, and she said to me, she's a that she was a chronic liar and that the reason she'd come to see me is because she had told so many lies to so many different people that she no longer knew who she was and she wanted to unravel herself from all the lies and i said to her you're crying wolf you've been crying wolf she said i don't know what that means so i explained the story to her oh she said okay i get it now so she's lost their trust i said to her you have to you have to get their trust back and that means you have to decide what your truth is, and then you have to actually tell it. You have to stand in it. She never came back. <laughs> so I don't know if <laughs> she just wasn't ready to know what her truth was or tell her truth, or it was too scary to tell her truth, or it wasn't safe to tell her truth. I and mean, these are some of the reasons why we would cry wolf, why we would make up stories about ourselves or our experiences, because we don't feel worthy to be in our own truth. And then when we move to the concept of the emperor's new clothes, that's where we're all colluding in the lie because we don't want to be the one to tell the truth, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's where we get into, I think these cultural stories that we were talking about earlier or the political lies or the religious lies, we all agree to the untruth as a collective because it's easier to do it that way because we're not ready to see anything differently because we don't know any differently because it's not safe to stand up and say something other than the emperor ha- is wearing this beautiful robe when actually he's standing there naked. Right? You know, yeah. there, look, there, there are so many shades to this. Yeah. Right. 
what if the emperor is half naked? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that we believe that a version of the, <laughs> like some version of the truth is going to be okay for the truth. And so there's a way to justify that away. It's like, wow, I really couldn't tell her how she really looks in those clothes. Why? Uh, well, because basically in the end, lying is rarely, if ever, for another person. Mm-hmm. We do it for a very specific reason that I would say mostly has to do with us. Yes, right? absolutely. Right. Uh, and now let's talk about how we've seen this in culture, right? You know, all you got to do is turn on a television and watch watch a, a documentary on uh, on... <laughs> on a serial killer or sociopath, right? Mm -hmm. Or have somebody talk about it. And it's very easy, Megan, to say, yeah, that's them. But the question really is, is it just them? No, it's never just them. That's that's the whole point of it. it. A lie only exists. It only has energy if somebody else believes in it. I could tell you right now, the sky is green. And you could look at me and go, it's not green. I'm looking out my window, it's blue your ball-faced liar, then the lie doesn't go any farther than that. But if I say to you, the sky is green, and you don't want to upset me, or you feel like it's important that you agree with me, then you're going to say, sure, yeah, it's green. And you're going to tell the next person it's green. And we're all going to agree that the sky is now green. Until one person stands up and says, you're all liars. It's not green. (laughs) The emperor is actually naked. (laughs) But sometimes it's, I think, actually not sometimes, I think much of the time, it's easier to not be in the truth than it is to stand in the truth. It's a much more challenging thing to say, this is my truth. This is what I see. This is what my experience was. It's, that is a much more challenging thing to do. It takes an incredible character development and maturity, I think, to be able to be in one's truth. And not only that, but to be the whistleblower when you see that there are things going on that are not also not true. Yeah. I mean, this is a hero's journey. Mm, mm-hmm. And let's talk about that from this perspective, right? You know, part of the hero's journey is one, getting a sense of what your personal truth is. Yeah. And what that means, if it means anything to you. Mm-hmm. Because you could go through life and, and, there's, and certainly can make a decision that truth telling doesn't mean very much to you. And then you live your life and, and not think about the consequences of that. Not think about the consequences that I've just now made a conscious decision that it's much easier for me to live my life in a way where I'm either half truth in it or I'm no truth in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that because you know what, Megan, that's just me. That's just like me. I just who I am. And I'm going to do it like that. But when we do that, right we have to get in touch with what our personal truth is. Let's talk about personal truth right now, right? And Mm -hmm. what that actually means. Because I do think there are 50 shades of gray for this for a lot of people. Absolutely there are. This is not a black and white issue at all. And especially when we're looking at it from the the perspective of culture and what is acceptable and what is not, what is considered fantasy, what isn't. Um, When we're telling stories, you know, how much of that story is for entertainment and how much of it is for manipulation. 
so it it comes back ultimately to of course our ourself and what matters to us and what we're really clear about and that is the hero's journey i know that for you and i there's a level of integrity that we really value in ourselves and in others so we will tend to surround ourselves much of the time with people who match that integrity it, it, it doesn't always work that way <laughs> because some people are really really good at the imposter syndrome and not actually knowing or choosing to be in their truth and they've learned along the way how to fit in to other people's expectations of them like a chameleon you could call it the chameleon syndrome i suppose <laughs> because that's what they know and and then we could look at all the different reasons for why that that is one of the things that i know happens in our bodies at the physical level when we're not in our truth is that actually toxicity sets up um, I do a lot of work with people on their energy systems and the chakra system. And the one that, that hits people the most around truth is their throat chakra. Oh, when you're not in your truth, it's going to show up here eventually with illness, with injury, with whatever the, whatever it is that shows up at the physical level. You know, for me, Pat, I spent a lot of years of my life, not even knowing what my truth was. Yeah not wanting to, to look past all the illusions. It was too painful, it was too scary. And I ended up with chronic throat problems to the point where in my forties, when I finally found my voice and started this hero's journey, my hero's journey, and really decided that I was gonna speak my truth, I got my tonsils taken out mm. when I was 42 years old. Wow. <laughs> And that, wow. for me, that was part of the process of shedding the untruth of my own value and stepping into my story and understanding what my needs were and what my boundaries were and getting really clear on all of that. That surgery became part of that process, part of that initiation into standing in my truth. And, and I don't want to sound like I'm coming off as a, as a preacher up on my soapbox. I am not in any way perfect. And there are still many days when I wake up and I'm not in total honesty with the people around me, with how I'm feeling or what I'm going through. Part of that is just process, right? Part of that is that continual journey of figuring out who we are and how we react and respond to others. So it's not, again, like it's not black and white. We're, we're coming to this understanding of who we are as part of a journey, as part of a process. And in doing so, we start to shed light on places in our lives that there has been darkness as, as a seeker of the truth. Yeah. And then I think yeah. the truth becomes the Holy grail. Our own personal yeah. truth becomes our own Holy grail. Yeah. I think that's something that we shouldn't lose sight of. And, and that is what is truth telling got to do with anything. And so let's just talk about that for a second. So here's what truth telling has to do with everything. Every promise you make, every promise you imply you're going to make, every pseudo promise, or let's say a nod, yes, of something that you're going to do or provide, any aspect of any of that in your life at any point in time, this is what we're talking about. So sometimes when we talk about truth, you know, we want to go to something as obvious as Santa Claus. But it's not quite that simple. 
Mm-hmm. You see, because we are psychological beings. We are spiritual beings. There is an essence of who we are. And the notion that I am going to make a statement about something in relationship to you. And then at some level, either not keeping to that, mm-hmm. right? The consequences of that on another person and to oneself are devastating. I mean, that's why we have laws, Megan, mm-hmm. where look, when you go to buy a car, they bring out 60 hundred pages of paperwork for you to sign. Because they don't believe you. Yeah, you're going to walk out of here with this $40,000 car. And let's shake hands on that, Pat. Yeah. And there's a reason for it. Because life does happen. So I want to ask you um, this, uh, and and I know we've got a few minutes left here. Um, There is an impact spiritually of what we're talking about. About what it means to be in our truth. Can you talk about that for a little bit? What I believe to be true about that is that when I leave this mortal coil, I shuffle off to whatever comes next, I will be held accountable for all the places in my life where I was not in complete honesty. And I don't feel it'll come from a place of judgment. It will come from a place of awareness, looking at the why of being in the dishonesty. What was the reason for it? I mean, let's be perfectly honest. There are places in our lives where we cannot tell the truth. It is not safe to tell the truth. If you're a child being abused or you're in an abusive relationship and somebody has power over you and they are hurting you and they've said to you, don't tell anybody, you're not gonna tell anybody until it's safe to do so. Mm -hmm. That's, That's a place where we're not telling the truth is actually a safety measure, a security measure. And at the spiritual level, I believe there is an understanding of that, right? So the consequence of that of that level of not being honest is that you keep safe, right? And then there's the understanding that that's why you had to do that. That's why you had to do what you had to do. At the end of the day though, I still, as I said before, I really do believe that everything that we say and do, will we will be accountable for it. Mm-hmm. And what I, what I say to my clients and my students ultimately is it's actually easier to just tell the truth, even if you don't like the results. <laughs> and it's not to tell the truth to then apologize and say, please forgive me. It's to simply be in the truth. And, and one of the ta- one of the, not tricks, I don't know what you'd call it. One of the tools that I use for myself personally is if something comes out of my mouth and I immediately feel the impact at the energetic and spiritual level that that's not true, I'll stop myself and I'll actually say, out loud, wait, is that true? No, that's not true. That's not my truth in this moment. (laughs) Let me go back and say it again. (laughs) And I think at that that spiritual level too, when we make those kinds of promises or contracts with people, we are allowed to change our mind if we are in our truth, right? Like I remember my former husband saying to me, but you promised. Yeah that you'd spend the rest of your life with me. Yeah. And I said, yes. And, and when I said it, that was my truth. Yeah. But that is no longer my truth. And I'm allowed to change my mind and be in a new truth, not a convenient truth, but an actual truth. And that's the journey. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, and look, part of this weaves back to what we started to talk about, about what the journey is. 
you know, and, and what this means. And, you know, clearly there are ways to recognize that, look, I'm in the middle of something I didn't mean to be in the middle of here with what I said or how I'm behaving. And there's a part of that that we can compensate for. Some people call it apology. Some people say, I'll make it up to you, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And what is that expression? Uh, something once, shame on you, something, yeah, yeah that thing. Shame on me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But there's truth to that. Mm-hmm. See, the truth to that is that everyone has an opportunity to step in a pothole that they didn't know they were going to step into. But when you become the pothole, yeah, that's when you better rethink what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And ultimately, telling the truth is not going to make you a hero. It mm-hmm. may be part of the hero's journey, but it is right. not always going to make you the hero. Being in your truth means that there are going to be people in your life who turn away from you because they don't want to hear what your truth is, because they're mm-hmm. not in their truth, whatever their reasons are. And, and this is something that I, I would say every single one of my clients, as they start to do their work, they encounter this. People who thought they knew them in a particular way don't like the new them. <laughs> we'll try to pull them back to the way that the other person knew them to be. You can count on it. Right? 100%. That's part of it. That's part of what happens when you start to walk in your truth. People will fall away. That's actually beautiful because it opens up space in your life for new people to show up for you mm. who may be more comfortable with you being in your truth. Yeah. Wow. Look, this is really, thank you for today. This is really your invitation for folks to step into a new kind of journey, a new kind of perspective. Thank you for taking this on today, Megan. Um, Please let folks know again, how they can find out more about you and and what's your personal message for today. Thank you for taking this on. Mm. Well, first, first of all, I don't want to say thank you for being my partner in all of this, being (laughs) my co-host. I love having these conversations with you. My final message is just this. It is actually simpler to be in your truth. It may take some time to understand what that is for you, but you're not doing anyone any favors by staying in the illusion or in the lie of who you are. And it's not easy work, but you can do it with ease. That's the radical part of it, of standing in it. And if, you, if this is work you want to be doing, then you can do it with me. You can do it with others as well. But if you want to do it with me, you'll find me at MeganEdge.ca. You'll find me at Megan Edge Healing. Just look me up. That's where I am. You've been listening to Playing on the Edge Radio with Megan Edge. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio and the Dr. Pat Show Network, providing you with ways of sustaining radical and powerful changes in your life. If you've missed any part of this episode or want to find out more about Megan Edge, visit her website at meganedge.ca.